Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. You know, a story was told about two old ladies who were living together. And of course, you know, they would go out on the porch and and they would sit and drink in their iced tea and they would rock. And two old ladies have different points of view. Well, they were sitting on the porch and of course they were enjoying kind of the peaceful scene and and they weren't really talking to each other. One woman was actually listening to the church choir just a few doors down, right? And she was just listening as they practiced and she would sit there smiling and listening. Well, the other woman wasn't really paying attention to the church choir. She was actually listening to the crickets chirping. Well, The woman listening to the choir turned and said to the other one, isn't that a lovely sound? Well, the woman listening to the crickets replied, yes, and I understand they do that by rubbing their legs together. Do you see the difference? Sometimes when we look at this, right, and some of you are like, I don't get it. Anyways, here's the thing. Sometimes confusion can be humorous, right? It can be humorous. One lady's listening to the church choir. The other's listening to the crickets. They have a conversation. And of course, it's humorous. Like, of course, I understand that they get that sound by rubbing their legs together. But if confusion can be humorous at times, I think it can also be disastrous. You go, well, how so, Pastor? Well, it's especially true when it comes to spiritual matters. Think about what we're learning, okay? Think about what we're learning. Jesus came to earth, and his purpose in the Gospel of John is that so you and I would believe in him. And and not only would we believe in him, but we would have life in his name. Now, let me explain this real quick, okay? Give me give me 20 seconds. There are a lot of people who exist in this world. They They simply exist. They get up, they do the same things, and they just exist. They're not really living. They don't feel like they have a purpose. They ask, I don't know why I'm born. Why am I here for? They're existing. But Jesus said, I've come so that you would have life, life, an abundant life, a life with purpose, a life with meaning. And so Jesus came so that we would believe, give me an amen, and that we would have life in his name. But confusion comes, listen to me, confusion comes when we don't understand what it's meant to believe in him. And you go, whoa, 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 say that again. Jesus came to the earth so that we would believe in him and have life in his name. I got that, pastor. But why am I confused at times? We're confused when we don't understand what it really means to believe in him. Here's why. If you were to go to your English dictionary, whether it be old school where you go and pull it out and look in the dictionary or you do it on the computer, here's the word you're going to find. You're going to type in believe. Everybody say believe. Here's what the English defines. Here's what it says. Here's what you're going to get, okay? Our English word says this. It says to accept something as true, to feel sure of the truth, have faith, and it goes especially religious faith. That's all you get for the word belief in our English English language. You go, okay, say that again? Well, let me do one better. Let's, let's break it down and let's just see what it means, okay? The English word believe is the first thing you're going to come up with. It says to accept something that's true. If you're going to believe in something, you're going to accept it as true. Now, I will say this. That's a flat-out true statement, right? The problem is it doesn't bring eternal life. 
It doesn't bring eternal life. Why? Because you can go through history books, you can look through history, you can look through everything, and you say, yes, I believe, that's a true statement, a man named Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago, but that's not necessarily going to change your life. You just believe historically in a man named Jesus who walked and lived in Israel 2,000 years ago. You're like, yeah, that's true. There are a lot of people who believe in Jesus, they believe he existed, but they have not changed. Nothing has changed in their life. Oh, okay, man. So, the first thing is to accept something is true. Okay, I believe it's true. But the second thing you write is they feel, it says, now, another definition is to feel sure of the truth. The problem is now we start reeling in feelings. Feelings are the one thing we must understand. If we feel like what's being said is truth, then we respond, oh, I think that's truth, but there are times when our feelings change. So belief cannot be based upon feelings. We, we, why? Because our feelings change. One moment you go, I believe in Jesus, and then your feelings get hurt because someone in Christianity, someone in the church, or you feel like God is not responding to what you think he should, and so your feelings get hurt, and now they change your Belief. Helping anyone? How about the third one, guys? The third one is, and this is interesting, it's to have faith, especially religious faith. Now, like, I'm excited about faith, but religious faith, here's the problem that we have with religious faith. Religious faith does not bring eternal life. Religious faith, right? And, and, and then some folks will even take it a step further. They say you got to have faith in faith. Okay, they start wanting and putting all their faith in faith so that faith could bring about change in their lives. Let me explain it this way. When we start lifting up faith and faith itself, we have to modify our behavior to adjust to our faith. We can't have faith in faith. As a matter of fact, as I was digging through, I found this, and one one minister said this. One minister said this about faith, right? He was putting his faith in faith, and he said this. Don't try to fit your faith into a busy schedule. Build your schedule around your faith. Okay? And then he goes on and he says this. Faith is a spiritual force. It's a substance. Faith has the ability to affect natural substance. Well, here's the problem, guys. When we put faith in faith then we're doing exactly what the English word tells us. We're believing in something that what? Well, what, what this man says is a spiritual force? I'm confused. Well, the problem is, guys, is there are a lot of people who go, I believe, I believe, I believe, right? I believe a statement is true that tomorrow the sun will come up. I believe that. Well, it's a little bit different from what the Bible says believe in. That's where the confusion comes. There's a lot of people who go, I believe, and they believe in a true statement. They believe based on their feelings, and they believe even in a religious faith. But the Bible is a little bit more clear. 
That's why John uses it over a hundred times because he wants you and I to understand what it really means. Now, if you're taking note, just kind of keep this in mind. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek language is such a pictureful, it's such a beautiful language, and it's so, and it's so broad and so wide that we cannot do justice with our English word. We have to look at the Greek and really pull it out. Why? Because the word believe in the Greek is actually made up of three words. There wasn't one word to go, hey, I believe. They said, no, this is so deep and so amazing. There's three words that make up the word believe. So it's so much different than the English language. You go, well, like what? Well, if you're taking note, we've talked about it before, but I think it's good to rehash it. Why? The Greek is made up with three words. The first Greek word is pisteo, pisteo, right? P-I-S-T-U-O. And it means to have faith in, in respect to a person, to entrust your life to Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. Oh, listen, listen, much more different than, than just the word believe in the English. It's to what? to have faith in, to re, in respect to a person, to entrust your life to Jesus. Oh, but that's not enough. Why? Because believe is so much deeper. So we take the second Greek word pulled out of it, and it's pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it means to be persuaded to have reliance upon Christ for salvation. So first of all, we know that faith, right? our faith is in a person, I entrust my life to Jesus Christ. Second, I'm persuaded I have reliance upon Christ for my salvation, nothing other. And then the third Greek word is actually pitheo, P-E-I-T-H-O, and it means to be convinced with confidence. You have the confidence in who Jesus is, and you are solely convinced. Now, your attention, please. The English word believe here is, hey, I think I believe in a statement. My feelings are involved, and maybe it has something to do with religion. That's really how it's defined. But the Greek word, John, in the gospel says, no, 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 no. Here's what you need to do. Faith is in a person of Jesus Christ for your salvation. Do you have that faith? You go, yes, I do. And faith is also persuaded. You are persuaded, right? And you have reliance upon Christ for salvation. Not only that, you're convinced with confidence. You're convinced with confidence. That's so much more different, right? That's, that's so much more deep. That's like, it's time to get in the pool. Let me illustrate it this way. You guys know the game. You ever, met, ever play the game Trust? Trust is where you get your buddies and they get behind you and you have to literally close your eyes and fall backwards because you are going to trust them, okay? Well, which belief would you rather have? Like, let's say I go, hey, Tim, hey, Santos, hey, so I want you to come up here and you stand right there. I'm going to stand from the stage and I'm going to believe that you're going to catch me. Well, if my belief in the English word is kind of like, I hope they catch me, I'm not going to fall back. I'm going to sit here and go, and you guys are going to go, okay, Ben, we got you. Don't worry about it. And you'll be laughing and joking. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm going, I don't believe. I don't believe. Well, Ben, I thought you believed. Well, I believed enough for you to come, and I believe enough to turn around, but I'm not falling. What do we usually say? Because I don't trust you. But if you use the, if you use the Greek word, and I say, hey, Tim, hey, Santos, Noe, come on up here. You guys, you big guys, all right? Bob, stand right here. And I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to close. My, and I just fall back. That's because I what? I believed, notice, 
that I, I have faith, I'm persuaded, and I am convinced with confidence that you're going to catch me. You see the difference in the word, right? This is different. That Greek word is different than our English word believe. For you and I to believe in Jesus, here's what it should be. It should be, now again, here's how we check our hearts. This is a full surrender to Jesus as the Meshach, the Messiah, full surrender. You guys know what full surrender is? That means you're not there, you're in 100%. Okay? Ever go to a pool and you don't know how cold it is? What's the first thing you do? You kind of dip your toe in there, right? You're just like, I'm going to see how cold it is. Some of you are crazy. Some of you are like, I don't care. I'm going swimming. And you come running. And the first thought of this is you are full in the pool, completely underwater, having a good time, even if it's cold. That's a full surrender to Jesus. To believe in Jesus is that you have reliance upon him for your salvation, that you understand your sins are forgiven, and to be convinced with confidence in who he is. Because the one thing the enemy is going to do to you is he's going to try to convince you who Jesus is not. And that's the argument, right? You're coming in going, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. I love Jesus. And you all have somebody go, nah. He was just a good man. They never proved all those things he did. He was a good man. I think he was a good prophet, but he wasn't God. He wasn't the Savior. Your response is, no, you don't understand. I am convinced with confidence he's my Savior. He's my Savior. That's the word believe. That's the word believe. And last but not least, if you believe, listen and check your heart, your life has been changed from the inside out. From the inside out. Here's why. When we believe in our English version, then guys, then we have to modify our behavior to match what we say. But when Jesus changes us, we're changed from the inside and our behavior matches what's already happening on the inside. You guys tracking with me? It's a natural Bible. You're already going, man, something's changed. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And you guys know what I'm talking about when you look at your past and you look at what kind of road you might have been on or what kind of person you were. And all of a sudden, Jesus got a hold of your heart. You're fully surrendered and you go, I'm not that guy anymore. I can't be that guy. I don't understand. Something's changed. Exactly. How did it change? Well, I don't know. I, I gave my life to Jesus. It changed. I, I don't know. It just started. And, and man, I started thinking different. I started acting different. I just, I just knew something changed. Well, did you change your behavior? I didn't have to. I just, I just believed. I just believed. You see, in our story, in our humorous story this morning, confusion can be humorous, right? One lady listening to a beautiful church choir, another lady listening to crickets, it was humorous, right? Because they were confused. But at other times, guys, confusion can be disastrous. You see, I'm calling this message, you ready? Do you believe in Jesus? Why? Because today we discover in verse 31 that many people at the feast believed in him. They really believed. They were in the pool. They were fully persuaded. They were convinced with confidence. Many of the people who were there, and you and I are there, we're standing with Jesus, we're at the feast, right? We're at the feast. 
And, and there we are. And many of them who heard Jesus speak, guys, put their faith and trust in the person of Jesus. Now, here's why. We cannot have faith in faith. Our faith is in Jesus, who then builds our faith. Does that make sense to you? We can't have faith in faith or a religious system or church or anything else. That's not going to get us eternal life. Our faith is in Jesus as a person. And that's why those statements from those ministers bother me. Well, faith is a substance. It's a force. No, faith is Jesus. It's Jesus. And I put my faith in Jesus. Well, we see that many people believe, but, but let me say this to you. We also hear some very sad, sad news. The religious people who didn't believe, okay, they were given some awful news. You go, what? Jesus looks at him with as much love as he could muster in his heart, and he says, where I am, you cannot come. What's he speaking about? He's speaking one day he's going to go back to heaven, and he says, with unbelief, you're not going to be able to come. And listen, a lot of times we think, there you go. Give it to him, Jesus. They don't want to believe in you. I think Jesus was like, guys, you don't get it. Your unbelief in who I am is keeping you from eternal life with me. And I'm going to go back to the Father. And where I go, he says, unbelief is going to keep you from coming. And they still were, they were still confused. Now listen, listen. Contrary to popular view, to the prevailing popular, to our culture, spiritual truth is not whatever a person prefers it to be. There are not many ways to God so that you can just pick whatever suits your fancy. Jesus told us very exclusive. He said, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father but through me. See, a lot of people are going, hey, listen, bro, listen, Jesus is good for you. Hey, thumbs up. Okay, he might be your crutch, but many, many ways lead to the Father. You'll, if you listen to daytime talk shows long enough, you'll know that, that several people tell you there's many ways to the Father. Jesus can't be the only way. And yet Jesus Christ himself said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So either he was right or wrong. And, and he lets us decide, right? Here, spiritual truth is quite narrow, and spiritual confusion is eternally fatal, eternally fatal. In our text, guys, we've seen three different groups, three different groups of religious Jews who are still confused about Jesus, and that's why it's so important. There's a group that John calls the Jews, Okay, you'll read it and you say, the Jews. It's found in verse 1, verse 11, verse 13, and verse 35. This refers to, now listen, this is important, the religious leaders of the day. This is who, the Jews, okay? John identifies them as the Pharisees, the chief priests, and the Sadducees. Everybody got that, okay? These are the religious leaders of the day. Now, let me let you on a little secret about what's going on here. These groups were often rivals to each other. See, the Pharisees didn't want anything to do with the Sadducees. The Sadducees didn't want anything to do with the Pharisees. And the chief priests had it all going on. But here's what they do. When it came to Jesus, they all bend together to attack Jesus. Listen, we're not, we've got some rivalry going on, you and I. Well, listen, we're just going to put those differences aside because we're going to join forces to attack Jesus. Those are known as the Jews. 
And I find that interesting, don't you? They'll be common enemies. They'll get together to attack the Christians. The Pharisees, the chief priests, and the Sadducees. So what do they do? Jesus is, Jesus is, is, is man, he's, he's causing problems. Let's, let's gather together. Let's, let's, um, let's, let's join together to seize him. Now, here's a problem, right? They're going to try to seize him. The only problem is they knew that the crowd really liked Jesus, and so they were like tripping, that, like, oh, man. So the Jews, that's the crowd. That's one crowd, can we agree, that is confused? Well, another crowd, guys, John calls the larger crowd, who? He called the larger group of people the crowd, Okay, this would include Jewish pilgrims who had come up from Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Passover was in the spring, and the Feast of of Booths was in the fall. Most people would come in the Feast of the Booths, and they would basically camp outside, is the best way to say it. Okay, so what 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 happened was is that when you can take your little booth and you could set it up anywhere along Jerusalem, more people would attend that feast than say the Passover. There was just lots and lots of people. John identifies them as the crowd, as the crowd. Okay, now many of the people in the crowd, because they've come from different places around the region. They were not aware that the Jewish leaders were, what, trying to kill Jesus. They weren't aware. They kind of come up, hey, what are you doing? Come on, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Woohoo, let's go. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is in the temple, and they're listening to him. They're like, wow, I can't believe this. And then he says something very interesting. Do you remember what he said last week? He says, you guys keep the law of Moses. Y'all remember Moses, right? And everybody's like, yeah, Moses. He says, y'all keep the law of Moses, yet you're trying to kill me. Well, these the crowd did not, they didn't know anything about people trying to kill Jesus. And so what do they do? They raise their hand. They go, are you serious? What do you mean who's trying to kill you? You have a demon. In other words, they're saying, who's trying to kill you? Why would anyone want to kill you? From all the reports we get on social media, you've done a lot of good things, Jesus. As a matter of fact, my uncle's cousin, brother's friend who lived next door, you healed him. He was 38, right? And and he was by the pool. And next thing I know, he's at work. So why would we want to kill you? you, Jesus, you have a demon. You're crazy. They didn't understand. They're confused. And then the smaller group, who are confused as well, John just calls them the people of Jerusalem. And, and we see that in verse 25. Look at verse 25 with me real quick. It says, now some of them from Jerusalem, these would be the people, said, is this not he whom you seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this truly is the Christ? Question mark. How do we know where this man is from? And when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. So you have a smaller group going, we're confused. If he's the Messiah, why are you trying to kill him? Or do you not, or, or is he really the Messiah? Is he really the Christ? We're not, we're not sure, right? And then they go back and go, we're confused because we've been taught that the Messiah is just kind of, kind of poof, come out of nowhere. He's not going to really have an origin, but we know where you live. You grew up in Nazareth. Scratch, scratch, scratch. Hmm. We're confused. The thing is, Jesus has been trying to tell them that what? That he's come from the Father. You don't know where he's come from. And so I would say that's, we're kind of like them. 
And, and, and think about it, guys. Has that not been our biggest challenge as believers? Our biggest challenge is that when you're trying to witness to somebody and you're trying to explain the love of God and the love of Jesus, okay, I believe, yeah, there is Jesus. And if you say he's God, that's great. And if Jesus made, and, and if God created Jesus and, and God created everything, who created God? Where did he come from? Well, the word of God tells us that he was before time. And so, oh, okay. So if he was before time, what was he doing? Was he just hanging out? Was the spirit God, father that you call that? Was he just bored? And all of a sudden he said, I'm bored. I think I'll make earth. And then people. That's the hardest things that our little finite brains can't comprehend. And Jesus says, I've come from my father. So I, you don't know. Do you know where Jesus came from? And it's infant, you don't. We're like, no, because we don't know where God, when we get to heaven, we'll know. But down here, I'm going, I just got to have faith. I got to have faith. I mean, I believe. I believe. I'm completely in. Can you explain it? I can't. I can't explain it. But I believe. I believe. So overall, overall, guys, in our text, there are a lot of people who are confused about Jesus. And John says, but that's not what I'm here for. I want you to know who he is. And here's the purpose. Remember, we read it earlier, that you would believe in him. And believing in him, you would have life in his name. And so John wants to show us that. So in order to keep the flow from, from the text, let's pick it up in verse 28, because we got a therefore in verse 30. Verse 28 says, Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know, but I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Your attention, please. Who's he speaking? He's speaking about the Father, right? That's the same argument. He goes, Guys, you know me, and if you really know me, you'll know him who sent me. He says, but I know him because I came from him and he sent me. Now, what would be your reaction? Well, notice the reactions of the people. Look at verse 30. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not come. Here was the reaction. Let's get him. Let's get him. Well, I don't like what he's saying. What do you mean he's going? Here's to the father. We don't know. Ah. And so uh, they're doing that, right? They seek to take him, but Here's what it says. No one really laid a hand on him. And you go, why? And because his hour has not yet come. If you have a pencil handy, circle that phrase. The my hour has not yet come. And here's why. I think it's great encouragement to us. It implies, listen to me, a supernatural restraint imposed upon Jesus' enemies. God did something supernaturally. A, a overruling providence prevented his arrest despite the fact that they actually sent some men to go take him you go wow so god stepped in in the midst of all of this supernaturally to keep yes here's why it wasn't time for him to go to the cross his hour had not come yet so all of a sudden they're like let's get jesus and God just shows up in an amazing way. And here's my point. Here's the application I love. Guys, there are times in my life when I'm going, God, I need a win from you today. I need a win from you, man. I'm struggling. I need you, Jesus. And he shows up in a supernatural, amazing way. Those I want to take to heart, those I need 
Remember last week I said, guys, we need, to, we need to celebrate the wins because if we don't, we'll forget them very quickly and we'll continue on all of the negativity in our lives and we get so bummed out. But when we celebrate the win, then we go, yes, yes, okay. These men try to take me. Nope, not going to happen. Well, you go, well, what happened? I mean, like, 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 I mean, to me, like a supernatural impulse. I mean, God is like sending down lightning bolts. No, that's not what happened, although that'd be cool, right? Basically, the crowd, listen, here's what happened. The crowd heard Jesus speak, and one of the major reasons they couldn't get to him is the crowd pressed in because they believed. They believed. You guys with me? Jesus is preaching. They go, we believe. And they want to get as close to Jesus as they possibly can. So much so that the men who were trying to get him couldn't get through. Uh, Excuse me. Oh, wait a minute. Now, here's my point. You ready? A natural byproduct of believing. You guys know what I'm talking about. Being fully persuaded in the pool. Jesus is my savior. I confessed. I've repented. God, you're mine. A natural, a natural byproduct of that is that you'll want to get closer to Jesus. You'll want to. That's what these people, they heard him. They went, do you believe? I I believe, I believe. Let's get closer. We want to be closer to Jesus. And so so when you believe, that's that's your goal. That's your aim. I just want to get closer to Jesus. Guess what your enemy's aim is? To get you farther away from Jesus. Get you outside of fellowship. It gets you outside of reading the word of God. Gets you outside. That's the enemy. He wants to isolate you. He wants to take you to the valley of oh no, right? Like he did Nehemiah. Let's go to oh no and try to kill you there. No, you're by I want to get close to you. That's what they did. All the crowd wanted to get close to Jesus. And it says in verse 31, and many of those people believed in him. They believed in him. What's that word? It's the word that I just explained to you. They put their faith in him as Savior and Lord. They entrusted him. They were persuaded. They were convinced with confidence. That's what they did. As a matter of fact, they asked a question. They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? It's a question, right? It's a question. So a lot of the people believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Here's the application. Let's reel it in. Here's the application. Do we believe, listen to me, do you really believe with complete trust and reliance in who Jesus is? Or is it just a true statement that you've grown up with? That's a big difference. This statement of true, it's true. Jesus, historically, amen. But that doesn't change your life. But this belief it changes your life. Things are different. Your life is different. Your, your thinking's different. Pastor, does that mean we're perfect? No, it just means things are going to be changed from the inside out as you progressively walk and get closer to Jesus. That's all it means. That's all it means. But now they give us a statement. Did you see that? That kind of sheds life into how they believe. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, here's what they say. They're kind of saying, well, the Messiah, when he comes, provide a better or more convincing evidence than this. And what were they talking about? They're signs and wonders. Now, here's what I want you to see. You and I believe, okay, I'm going to use that word a lot. John used it a hundred times. You and I believe because, no, no, we have the whole, we have the whole canon of scripture. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
These folks right here didn't have that. Guess what all they had? All they had was his teaching and some signs and wonders. You and I have so much more. We have evidence that Jesus is not here, that he resurrected, that he went and he ascended. We have, I mean, think about it. The other night, and this just hit me, the other night we watched the movie Case for Christ. Anybody see that movie? And it's such a good movie because it's overwhelming evidence that Jesus resurrected. And 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 he, the gentleman in the movie just goes and he digs and he digs like a journalist should to try to find uh, just some sort of flaw in the whole story and nobody. And it's so amazing. And so you and I, we believe based upon that. I believe, I believe. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? You go, amen. Do you believe that he was buried? On the third day, he resurrected and he ascended to the Father. And do you believe he's coming back again? You go, amen. Then you're saved. That's it. You have this belief. You have this belief. They believed in him, but they believed in him based upon just the signs and wonders. Just the signs and the wonders. That's what they're saying. They're going, listen, we should believe in him. Look, could anybody, be, could anybody do any more than this? Could anybody do more than this? They're basically saying this, quote, this guy seems to be doing enough signs to qualify as the Messiah, so we better believe in him, unquote. Here's the application that you got to just think about real quick. If Jesus isn't your Messiah, if you don't believe he is the Christ and the Savior of the world, well, then the Messiah who has to come for you to believe, he will have to do more miracles than Jesus. He will have to do, teach more insight and authority than Jesus did. He would have to love more remarkably than Jesus. He would have to suffer even more courage than Jesus. He would atone for more sinners than Jesus. He would raise the dead more triumphant than Jesus. He alone will ascend to heaven in greater glory than Jesus. He would present a greater gospel than Jesus. He would change more lives than Jesus, free more addictions than Jesus, comfort more grief-stricken hearts than Jesus, heal more broken hearts than Jesus, restore more marriages than Jesus, triumphant over tyrants than Jesus, and gain more followers than Jesus. Whoever is the Messiah has to do far and beyond what Jesus did. Now, your attention, please. There's a group of people who are still waiting for their Messiah. And that's where the Antichrist is going to get a foothold because they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They're waiting for their Messiah. There was a recent interview with uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Netanyahu took, took this uh, reporter around Israel and he showed him some of the sites. And he showed him the sites not based on a biblical view, but based on uh, basically a geographic view. And in, the, in, in, in this article, in this, in this YouTube video, Benjamin Netanyahu, um, he just alluded to in some areas that they were still waiting for their Messiah. Now he mentions Jesus... He mentions Jesus, that Jesus came. He believed in him historically, and this is part of Jesus, and Jesus was here. 
But if you listen to the article pretty, or the, the, the yeah, to the, the interview pretty, pretty intently, he alludes to just a little bit, and I, and I started to question, I go, man, I, I, was, I was hoping that Benjamin Nutton knew, knew, knew Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. And maybe for the sake of his people, he was, because there's a group of people that are still waiting for the Messiah. Their Messiah is going to have to fulfill a long list far greater than Jesus. So there's going to have to be a deception in the world for people to follow the Antichrist. So where we left off, many believed in him, right? And then in verse 32, notice what the Pharisees do. The Pharisees, well, they heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees gathered with the chief priests. They sent officers to take him. Okay, what was their reaction? The reaction, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, guys, the religious dudes of the day should have repented, broke down, and worshiped Jesus. No, instead, their reaction was to those who believed, they prompted the chief priests and Pharisees to action. Go get Jesus. Go get him. Go get him. We got to stop this at all costs. Well, Jesus then turns and speaks to him. Notice, and Jesus said to them, guys, I'm going to be with you a little while longer, and then I'm going to go. I'm going to go to him who sent me. He says, and you're going to seek me. And he says, you're not going to find me. And where I am, he says, you cannot come. Jesus is letting them know that he's only going to be around for a little while, a little bit while. Now, listen, if you're taking note, here's what I want you to note, okay? This is a good place in your Bible to write. The Feast of Tabernacles is in the fall, okay? Jesus is going to die on the Feast of Passover just six months later. Just six months later. So he's been ministering. He's been sharing the gospel. He's been preparing his disciples for two and a half years. Jesus is speaking truth when he says, I'm not going to be here very much longer. He's going to, six months, he's going to go to the cross. What happens after the cross? He's going to resurrect, right? And then how many days? 50 days later, he will ascend to heaven and that's where he'll be okay so he's speaking truth but if you wanted a timeline if you just kind of want to know from verse 7 okay verse 7 and 33 34 to when he's crucified at the end of chapter 19 and 20 it's going to be six months six months of last ministering things like that so it gives you a good it gives you a good timeline the problem is is that he just told the Pharisees, he just said, you're going to seek me, you're going to come looking for me, and you're not going to find me. When life gets hard, boys, you're going to come seek me, and you'll find me. And he says, when and, and where I am, he says, you cannot come. Listen, church, listen to me. English version of belief, we know it's a true statement. The Greek version of belief, it's full-on, persuaded, convinced, in faith in Jesus. Unbelief will be the only thing that keeps us out of heaven. Unbelief. Not really believing. Jesus just said, listen, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You all with me? I'm going. He says, and, and I'm going to go back to the Father. I'm going to go to the one who sent me. We all know that if we've been walking with Jesus, he's talked about the Father. And he looks at these guys and he says, and... and and the problem is, is that you, where I'm going, you can't come. Why? Why want to? You know what? I want to go, Jesus. I want to go. Unbelief will keep you from, from being with Jesus, from being in heaven. 
Unbelief. Unbelief. See, right here, there were many people, guys, who didn't believe him as the Savior and the Messiah. And many of them wouldn't go to heaven. Let's be careful, guys, and I feel strongly. Let's be careful that we don't hold on so tight to our religion that we miss the Savior, that we miss Jesus. See, because a lot of the Pharisees are going to buckle down and say, we're Pharisees, we're Sadducees, we're the chief priests. That they've missed Jesus. That they've missed Jesus. Guys, listen, where, where I'm going, you won't be able to come. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven, and because of your unbelief, you can't come there. You can't come there. So, it, just like typical the Jews, notice, then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we cannot find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Do you see they missed it completely? You know what they're saying? What, where, where, is he, where does he think he's going to go? Is he going to go teach the Greeks? They've missed it completely. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, guys, um, verses 35 and 36 seems to be mocking Jesus when they speculate this man, a demeaning way of referring to Jesus, right? This man. And so again, they're mocking him. Where is he going to go? He's going to leave Jerusalem and go teach the Greeks. And it's really demeaning. And I love what Jesus does, right? And they ask each other the last verse. He says, what is this thing that you said you will seek me and not find me? And where I, where I am, you cannot come. Well, I love the fact that they're mocking. They don't get it. And Jesus doesn't respond to their confusion. He says, you guys just need to ponder that for just a moment. And, and it's a terrible thing to walk away from the day of salvation. Jesus has just been explaining that unbelief will not get you to heaven. And they're going, all right. Listen, it's kind of funny when someone is confused about a church choir making music by rubbing their legs together, right? That's, that's humorous. But, but when people are confused about who Jesus is and they're confused about belief, it's tragic. It's tragic, especially when Paul tells us, guys, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable day. Don't do it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today's the day. Listen, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, they're looking straight at salvation, eternal life with Christ, and they're going to be so confused and so blind that they walk away. They walk away. Jesus said, I just delivered some bad news, and you missed it. You missed it. Guys, let's close with this. When it comes to life, we all have two choices. The first choice is we could believe. We could believe the statement is true. We could believe historically that there was a Jesus. We could actually believe in what our parents believe in, and we can believe what we were told in Sunday school. And we could believe, and we can have faith even in a religious institution. Or we can believe in Jesus. And in our world, 
The first choice will not get you to heaven, but the second choice is saying, have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you honestly confessed you are a sinner in need of a savior? I, I'm a sinner. Have you confessed my, your belief in Jesus is the Christ, the one who died for your sins? And have you repented? Have you repented of your sinful lifestyle in obedience, basically out of love for Christ? That's how you're going to do it. That's the second. My encouragement to you is it's time to believe with all of our hearts and watch God change your life. Listen, you don't have to sit here and go, okay, God, I believe. Now I'll start to change. Listen, I'll cut my hair and I'll cut my nails and I'll start to act right and I won't say bad words and I won't raise my eyebrows and I won't roll my eyes when people talk to me that are dumb. I'll do everything I can to try to be a good little boy or little girl. That's behavior modification. That's not the belief we want. Here's the belief we want. You ready? And this is so simple. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Say, God, I'm yours 100%. Do with me what you will and let him work from the inside out. And when you mess up, and you will, We all will. That's okay because God's still working on you and he's going to get you to the place where, again, your behavior is going to change based on what's inside, not what's outside. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word and we love you so much. We thank you, God, that we want to believe. We want to jump in with all of our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would just... um, Bind the enemy, God, who wants to keep us from jumping in completely 100%. We don't want no confusion here. Your word says many believed in Jesus, and I pray that everyone in this room believes in Jesus, that has a real, honest, wonderful relationship with you. But Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't, Anyone here that's struggling, anyone here that goes, oh, man, I'm not sure if I really believe, but I want to, I pray your spirit would speak to them right now. That, Lord, right now they would surrender and say, God, I believe. I'm in. I'm in. I'm ready. I'm ready. So, Lord, we ask you to bless our day, bless our week, God. May this teaching change our tomorrow and our Tuesday and our Wednesday and our Thursday. And Lord, everything we do from here on out is belief in you. So Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.